0: that Scott Pittman how did you keep your hands on the guitar and not wiping tears away hearing your baby girl sing like that what a powerful message for us today the very heart of God sacrificing for us and uh, our response ought to be just that Lord here am I so will I I will go I will give I will sacrifice I will love I don't know about you but it has been my experience that every parent in the world would know this to be true the children don't want to wait for anything has that been the experience of your life parents kids don't like to wait the last thing in the world that any child wants to hear is not yet you know, it can prompt anger and frustration and hopelessness. Now, I started out by saying most parents would agree, most of us would agree, that this discomfort of waiting follows almost all of us throughout the rest of our years. We, we may not respond with the same emotional outburst. Well, some of you might, but most of us don't as children But most of us still hate to wait on anything that we want. Few things frustrate us more than waiting. Let me apply it and see. I bet that this will ring true with someone. Waiting in traffic. I knew there would be a sigh or a groan or a grunt somewhere. Waiting in a waiting room. Waiting in line at Disney World or at the DMV. It matters not. Waiting is not something that we're programmed to enjoy. And sadly, technology and culture today has made it even worse. We have devices that come along and they give to us instant answers for things that we're seeking and this modern society seems to make it worse. We want everything done quickly and these devices constantly spring up in new ways to meet those demands and to encourage our impatience. Our impatience looks far, far different than a farmer from a hundred years ago. As he waited for a season of sowing toward reaping, we, we don't wait seasons, we wait seconds. And we don't like it even when we have to. I, I have confessed before you as your pastor that I pace in front of my microwave. I want things instantly. All of us have at some level in our nature this desire for things quickly. In a recent article that I read from the New York, uh, excuse me, the Wall Street Journal, this one, a journalist said this, we are not used to waiting and the more technology caters to our immediate desires, the less we feel willing to wait. And such is our dilemma as Christians. If you think about it, while society makes every attempt to make our life easier and faster, God works on an entirely different timetable. In His mind, nothing is wrong with waiting. You need to hear that. God works on a different timetable, and there's nothing wrong in the construct of the mind of God for waiting. In fact, waiting can be, in the hands of God, a positive good that He often uses to make us look more like His Son. There are some things that we learn only through waiting. I mean, we sit and we look at the clock and we look at the seasons around us. Children need to learn the difference between no and not yet. It's not the same. We we find ourselves struggling through this. The inability to wait and our impatience causes all kinds of problems. And, And even before we get to our text today, I want you to consider that. Think about it. Debt. Debt is an absolute result of our inability to delay gratification. I want it. I want it now, so I'm going to buy it on credit. I'll sacrifice tomorrow for today, and I'll get it today. I won't have to pay for it till later, but, oh, you'll pay. Generations past had a different mindset. I'll sacrifice today and I'll save and I'll wait. And then one day I will get that which I've saved for. But debt is an absolute byproduct of impatience. There's all kinds of other things and by the way let me just put an insertion if I can there. Our church has been very very uh, blessed in encouraging people toward financial freedom. We do Dave Ramsey's financial peace. We offer that class on occasion. We offer financial coaching. We have uh, one in our ranks. We've got many that that are astute with finances but Brian Robinson has gone through and become a, a Dave Ramsey certified trainer. This Thursday evening at 645 we're going to have a smart money webcast and it's totally free I, I would encourage you to be here it's not in the bulletin it's not been announced anywhere else but we've had an opportunity to do this we'll meet in the chapel at six thirty. if you'll come uh, we'll have some refreshments but it'll just be a short time focused on how to make sure that through these holiday months you stay right with your finances I want you to experience financial freedom as individuals and as families so that we as a church can experience the blessings of God in those areas. But if you think about it, debt is a byproduct of impatience. There's all kinds of other problems that enter into the world because of a lack of patience. If you think about this, there are diseases that have emerged because of someone not willing to delay sexual gratification until marriage and because of that problems exist. Let me ask you this, have you ever been in a hurry when God was not? Anybody? All right, this is audience participation time, you can raise your hand. Anybody ever been in a hurry when God was not? Here's the true question, anybody in here ever been in a hurry? Then if you have, you have been in a hurry when God was not. Why? Because God is not ever in a hurry. God is perfectly content in his personhood in his being to be an on-time God he's not late he's never late but he's never early he's on time and God has never rushed or in a hurry and so if you have found yourself waiting impatiently then you have been in that place it's not a fun place to be some of you came in this morning and you're waiting on God some of you came into this place and you're waiting on God to give you an answer maybe to a prayer, maybe you're waiting for a job opportunity, maybe you're waiting on God to give you clarification or new direction, maybe this morning you're waiting on God to heal a relationship, or you're waiting this morning on God to remove a pain out of your life, or or perhaps to change a circumstance in your life. Pastor, I prayed and nothing happened. Anybody ever been there? Why has it happened yet? Why has it not come? Why has God not come through? And our first response is often anger or doubt. Our first response is often, well, God has not come through, so God must not be coming through. And we doubt or we grow bitter or angry at God. And I want you to see this morning as a church family, I want to take the next few minutes as we look in our continuation of our series in the book of James, that James begins to speak to one of the most practical applications of this text as he begins to talk about waiting and how waiting is tied to faith. And so today, we're going to ask and answer some questions. Now, some of you say, he's preaching a sermon on patience. I bet it's going to take a long time. Actually, it's not. In fact, I'm going to preach a rather short sermon this morning. Some of you are saying, yeah, we'll see about that. I I told the deacons earlier as we were praying, I'm preaching a short sermon because Richard Green is not in the nursery. Richard always catches me on his Sunday to serve in the nursery and says, preacher... I'm back there today, keep it short. And I said, Richard, this is good for your sanctification, for you to be back there with those kids. And so when he's not serving, I'm going to teach today on patience. Well, as we think about this matter of patience, as we think about waiting on God, as we think about God answering our questions, I want you to understand some things about why God delays. Even before we read our text, if you've ever gotten this place of, of um waiting and saying, I I didn't get my answer right away. I want you to see two reasons. If God answered every single prayer request that you lifted before him, you would be a spoiled brat. You would treat God like a vending machine. You would say, I push the right button, I flip the right lever, I pull the right switch, and instantly I get what I want. And it would become more about you than it is about God. And so you need to understand that God often delays answers. He doesn't always say no. Sometimes he says not yet. And no and not yet are not the same thing. And as we consider this notion of our own life, you and I need to squelch the the passions of that inner child that screams I want it and I want it now. Because it's it's maybe at some level appropriate for that to happen when they're two, but when they're 22 or 52 or 92, we need to have some self-control. And you and I need to realize that waiting patiently is a tool in the hand of God that changes our perspective on some things. So the first thing is that if He answered every prayer, it would ruin us. Secondly, God sometimes has to work on you before He works on a solution. God oftentimes has to work on me before He works on a remedy. God is working in our waiting. How many of you know that? Let's try that again. Do you know that God works in our waiting? There, There was a silent era of time, 400 years between Malachi and Matthew. And oftentimes people said God was not doing anything. No, God was actively at work. In fact, all of the Jewish laws that began to explode and spring up happened during those silent years, and all of a sudden the Messiah shows up on the scene. When Jesus arrives there in Bethlehem, all of a sudden, all of the backdrop is perfectly set for prophecy to be fulfilled, and God is working in our waiting. God is not inactive during the silent times. And I want you to hear this. Neither should you nor I be inactive. I want you to imagine the picture of a waiter, a real waiter. What does a waiter do? Well, I want you to think about this. Waiting is not an inactive process. Actively, they are serving. Actively, they are listening. Actively, seeking to please the one that they're waiting on. And all of those descriptions ought to fit our waiting on God. When we're waiting on God, we ought to actively be listening and looking and serving and longing to please the one that we are set to serve. You see, it's an active deal. I want to give you a statement that's not in your notes, and I promise we're moving toward our text, but I want you to see this. God uses pressure in our life in a very unique way. Pressure takes us through a process that produces perseverance, patience, and persistent prayer. Some of you are saying, that is the single most alliterated sentence I've ever seen in my life. Yes, you're right, but it makes sense, and it comes straight from the book of James. God uses the toils and the trials and the stresses of our life in a process to produce in us perseverance. He wants us to become tough. He wants us to become resilient. And he also teaches us patience in the midst of that process. And he teaches us how to persist in prayer. And James is writing to a group of people who are struggling with being persecuted. And right off the bat, he wrote to them and to us, That we ought to count it all joy when we face trials. Do you remember that? We talked about trials and temptations. And James, in a very practical way, is saying this is what real faith looks like. And so today, all of that was introduction to simply tell you we come to this place where we understand God gives us grace in patience. God shows to us, He demonstrates to us His patient character, and He gives to us a A heart's desire that we would express faith in that same way. That we would become patient and persistent. I I love this thought. God changes caterpillars into butterflies. Sand into pearls. Coal into diamonds. And He does so using time and pressure. He really uses irritation and friction as well. The irritation of the sand causes the pearl. The time and the pressure causes that coal to become a diamond God's working in our lives in fact one more quote and then we look at James chapter 5 beginning in verse 7 but listen to these words God wants us to learn how to follow him and put down our self-demands and to calm the screaming child that's within us one way he helps us to do this is by saying to you and to me wait wait Now, that miserable, uncomfortable, sometimes painful state of silence is one of God's most important tools to set us free. James chapter 5, let's look together, beginning in verse 7. Dear brothers and sisters, be patient as you wait for the Lord's return. Consider the farmers who patiently wait for the rains in the fall and in the spring. They eagerly look for the valuable harvest to ripen. You too must be patient. Take courage for the coming of the Lord is near. Don't grumble about each other, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged, for look, the judge is standing at the door. For examples of patience and suffering, dear brothers and sisters, look at the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. We give great honor to those who endure under suffering. For example, you know about how Job, uh, you know about Job, a man of great endurance. You can see how the Lord was kind to him at the end. For the Lord is full of tenderness and mercy. As we look at this together, I want to ask and answer three questions. Look together with me. Question number one When am I to be patient? When am I to be patient? Pastor, there are all kinds of things that drive me crazy in this world, that test my patience, that get on my last nerve, that seem to send me into orbit. They cause me rage. Well, I'm glad that you were honest enough to admit that, and I was able to speak it for you, because that's the case in my life. I find myself with all kinds of irritations in life. I'm one phone call away from snapping at times, and so are you impatient in traffic, impatient in a waiting room, impatient longing for a a test result from a doctor or from a teacher. I need to know this. I need this information, and it's not come yet. I need God to answer this prayer, and it's not come yet. I want to give you three times that this text shows us that we need to be patient. Number one, we need to be patient when circumstances are uncontrollable. When circumstances are uncontrollable. Look back at the text with me, if you will, in verse 7. Consider who. Who does he say that we need to look to? Let's try this again. This is audience participation time. Who does he say to look to? The farmer. Why? Because the farmer waits patiently for things that are outside of his control. He works, he tills, he toils, he plants, and he waits. You see, there's a marvelous, marvelous picture when we come to this notion of an agrarian example that we would look to the farmer. He says, why? Because the farmer has to patiently wait for his harvest to ripen. There's nothing that he can do about it in some sense. There there are things that are beyond his control. God has to send the water. God has to send the sunshine. God has to send the growth. Yes, he continues to work actively. He doesn't plant and walk away. He continues to weed. He continues to fight off those that would come and scavenge his crops. But he has to wait. And sometimes in our lives, circumstances are beyond our control. And when they are, this is a perfect opportunity for you to place your faith squarely in God. Be patient when circumstances are are uncontrollable. Think about this. There's a natural delay between seasons. There's a natural delay between planting and harvesting. A natural delay between sowing and reaping. And sometimes we have this mindset that I sow this morning, I ought to reap this afternoon. I sow this morning and I need to go out tomorrow and be able to pull up the harvest. I I plant carrots or tomatoes today and tomorrow I expect salad. No, it's not going to happen that way. And sometimes you're throwing requests at God and expecting an immediate response and there are circumstances that are beyond your control and that is the very crucible through which God will shape your heart to be more faith-filled. And James, who has written all about real faith, is saying real faith is patient. I I love that text. He says, consider the farmers who patiently wait for the rains in the fall and in the spring. They eagerly look for the the valuable harvest to ripen. And then verse 8, you too must be patient when circumstances are beyond your control. Secondly, when people are unchangeable. When people are unchangeable. There are people in your life that I'm absolutely convinced are there for no other reason but for your sanctification. I have said this before. I wish beyond all wishes that God sent people with warning labels. There are foolish warning labels on all kinds of things. I am not prone to use my hair dryer in the bathtub, okay? There's a warning label that tells me not to. Some of you are saying you're not prone to use a hair dryer, Pastor. That's true. But I wish some people would come with extra grace required stamped right there because you know who they are. Don't point at them if they're sitting near you. But there are some people that seem unchangeable. And when they are, that's a good opportunity for you and for me to be patient. Now, I say that in jest, but he points back to the prophets. He points back and says, consider the prophets, men like Jeremiah who preached his heart out for decades and had no one to convert. Now, his message was very, very difficult. It was a message of judgment. But the prophets came, and they boldly proclaimed truth, and people lived in their apathy. And there are people around you that will not change their ways, and your job is not to change them. You can be salt and light before them, but when people are unchanging, you be patient and wait upon God. Amen? I know that's a hard truth, but we need to be patient. When am I to be patient? When life circumstances are beyond my control, when people in my life are unchangeable. And In fact, he goes on in verse 10 and says, For examples of patience and suffering, dear brothers and sisters, look at the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Number three. Well, let me just, I, I want to pause there. there. There are Sundays that I preach And pastors like me preach all across this country and around the world. And and there are times that I feel like I've studied and I've toiled and I've put everything that I'm supposed to put into it and I preach the gospel as clearly as I know how and I hold out life. And I say, you have the opportunity to miss hell and to gain heaven. You have the opportunity to behold the beauty of Jesus Christ. You have the opportunity to experience the richness of a relationship of one who says, I will never leave you or forsake you. And I finish and I say, amen, and I say, come. And nobody moves. No one is stirred. You walk out the door with your mind set on lunch. In those moments, you know what God says to me? Be patient. My job is not to convert you. My job is not even to convince you. My job is to be faithful to preach the word. I'm praying for a harvest. I'm sowing seeds every day all across the Pine Belt, and so are our pastors. I'm so grateful for the opportunities that we have. I'm so thankful Scott Pittman is on, on athletic fields and meeting with coaches as a missionary out of our church, planting seeds, planting seeds. Now, he hadn't had a team in mass get saved yet, but they see mercy drops. In our student ministry, we are planting seeds. In our college ministry, Scott Alexander's planting seeds on college campuses. Dr. Dykes is planting seeds daily in his role at William Carey. And others of you are planting seeds. Don't get discouraged. The Bible says do not grow weary in well-doing. In due season we will reap a harvest with joy. I'm praying for a harvest. I'm sowing for a harvest. But we cannot become apathetic. When life is beyond your control, trust God in patience. When people are unchangeable, trust God in patience. Number three, you need to see this, when problems are unexplainable. I love that he points to Job. Because none of us have faced the heartache and struggle of Job. But when problems in life are unexplainable. There are storms that come into our lives that we don't understand. Some of you are walking through that right now. Some of you this week have walked through an unexplainable storm. I was talking about this with a couple of friends just this week. How quickly and easily do we say, I'll see you tomorrow. And maybe that's the last time you ever see that person. You need to realize that God ordains the storms And God is in control in the midst of the storms. And God is for you through the storm. We see that in the life of Jesus. But think about this man, Job, pouring ashes over his head, weeping. He's lost his health. He's lost his family. He's lost his wealth. It is completely unexplainable. Why? And there are times that you and I will come before the sovereign of the universe with that very question on our lips and in our hearts and say, God, why? And heaven will be silent. My question to you, church family, is what will you do on that day? Will you trust the Lord in patience? You say, Pastor, I I don't know that I can do that. Well, let's continue in our text and consider why he would tell us that. Why should I be patient is the second question. Number one, because God is in control. I I love this. Verse 8, he says, you be patient. Why? Because the Lord's coming is near. God knows the end from the beginning. God knows all that he has planned out. And on his divine timetable at just the right time, in the fullness of time, Jesus Christ will split the sky and we will hear the voice of the archangel and the sound of the trumpet and Jesus Christ will call his children home. He will judge the righteous and the unrighteous. He will cast all that is unrighteous into the lake of fire. There is coming a day where all of the consummation of the kingdoms of this world come because they will then be folded into the kingdom of our God and His Christ. You be patient, it says. Why? Because the Lord's coming is near. He says, you just hold on. You just hang on. Just wait. You ain't seen nothing yet. That's Henry translation. He says, be patient. Why? Because the Lord's coming is near. Jesus is coming back. Do you believe that? You need to understand God is in control in this present day. Number two, because God rewards patience. I I love this. He says, as you know, we consider blessed those who have persevered. God honors and rewards perseverance. Matthew chapter 5 says it this way, Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. God's in control. He rewards patience. And thirdly, you need to see this, God's working everything out. God's working it all out. In James chapter 5, verse 11, in the second half, it says, You know about Job, a man of great endurance. You can see how the Lord was, I love this, kind to him in the end. Kind to him in the end, for the Lord is full of tenderness and mercy. You need to hear a couple of things this morning before we go. You ready? Number one, this, a delay is not a denial. Denial. A delay is not a denial. Just because God says not yet does not mean God has said no. I have told you my daughters have learned to discern that. Heidi has said often when mom or dad says maybe, she says that means no later. Some of you think God is saying that. God doesn't say maybe. God says no or not yet. And when God says, I've said this over and over again. Adrian Rogers helped me with this more than anything else. With that very verse, God is tenderhearted toward us. When God tells you yes, he's saying help yourself. And when God says no, he's saying don't hurt yourself. God's not trying to keep you away from things. He's not a cosmic killjoy trying to destroy things. When God takes something out of your life or tells you no in some matter, he's saying that is not good for you and you don't need it anyway. But when God says not yet, he's saying the timing is not right or you're not prepared to receive it. Some of you are praying for things that if you, if you got the answer to that prayer, it would destroy you. But God is saying not yet because he's working in you a work of grace, of patience, so that you'll be prepared to receive it and use it and bless others. Does that make sense to anyone here? I'm praying that it does. You see, God's working things out. In the end, he was gracious toward Job and restored Job. And we don't understand all of that process and all of the workings, but I do know this. There's a spiritual delay that goes on. In the book of Daniel, we see Daniel praying and we see the angel coming to him 21 days later and saying, I was delayed. There there was a battle going on. It's not as simple as you think. There are Forces going on in this unseen realm beyond what we can see that are happening every day. And you and I need to be driven to our knees in prayer. And waiting on God prayerfully with persistence and with patience is a process that God is leading us through. So that we will be conformed to the image of His Son. We'll look like Jesus. A delay does not mean denial. Sometimes it's preparation for the promise. You see, if God's given you a promise, if God has given you a promise from His Word, hold on to it because God is not slack about His promises. God is not forgetful when it comes to His promises. He's never let one go yet, and He never will. So when God gives you a promise, hang on. Just because it hasn't come yet does not mean it's not coming. A delay does not mean that it's a denial. And finally, I want you to see this. Third question, how am I to be patient? A couple of thoughts. What do I do when I'm waiting on God? One pastor said this was God's waiting room. When I'm in a hurry and God's not, what do I do? Number one, wait expectantly. Wait with expectation. That's faith. There a couple of verses I want to give to you. Psalm 130, verse 5 says, I wait for the Lord my whole being waits, and in his word I have put my hope. He says, my soul is just all in. I'm waiting on God. Where else are you going to go? You can try to work it out. You can try to figure it out. You can try to network it out. But ultimately, there are going to be things that are out of your control, people that are unchangeable and circumstances that are unexplainable. So why should I trust God in patience? Because he's in control and because he's working all things out. Does that make sense? I I pray that you're tracking through this. I pray that I'm speaking to someone that is in this place of at a crossroads of wanting to give up. You say, I don't know if God's coming through for my family or my finances. I don't know if God's coming through for my physical health. I'm struggling, and I need God to speak. Maybe it's that God is shouting at you through the silence. Maybe it's that God wants you at this crossroads to trust him more tomorrow than you did yesterday. And simply say, God, I realize this is in your sovereign hands. And just because it's delayed doesn't mean it's denied. You may be preparing me to receive a promise from you. And I'm going to wait with expectation. Isaiah 49, 23, beautiful verse. Those who hope in me will not be disappointed. What a great promise. Number two, wait quietly. Wait quietly. I love this in in verse 9. Don't grumble against one another, brothers and sisters, or you will be judged. In fact, he says the judge is standing at the door. It's an amazing picture. Here's the judge of all the universe standing at the door, and you and I are taking judgment into our own hands. It's like we've stolen the gavel off of his bench, and we're judging one another. We're judging situations. Just wait in silence. What is the old saying? It it, it is better for you to be silent uh, and and be perceived as wise than it is to open your mouth in ignorance and prove it. Sometimes we show our stupidity by our words. Some of us would be far, far better off if we would just zip it up. I, I, I am so at a place where Negative people that judge drive me crazy. God put some of those extra grace required people in my life. You know who I'm talking about and how I'm talking about them. The folks that find a problem in every solution. The the folks that find a, a cloud in every silver lining. Don't be that person. We wait with expectation and with glorious hope, but we ought to wait in silence. Let's continue. I, I love in Lamentation 3, it says this, it is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. Number three, wait confidently. Wait confidently, directly again from our text there in chapter 11 in, in the second half, that picture of waiting with confidence. Uh, several other verses, let me give to you, Habakkuk 2, 3. For the revelation awaits an appointed time. It speaks of the end and it will be fulfilled. If it seems slow in coming, wait patiently for it will surely take place. It will not be Delayed. What a picture for us there. God has appointed the times of all things, and it will not be delayed. We just simply need to trust Him. So when we're talking about real faith, what I'm saying when I talk about patience is put your money where your mouth is and your life where your faith is. Trust the Lord. If you really say that you have faith, trust Him. Trust Him that this hard circumstance that you're currently enduring will come through to the end and God's tender-hearted kindness, His loving and uh, merciful ways will be demonstrated and it will work out and it will not be delayed. Wait with expectation. Wait in quiet confidence. Somebody here today needed to hear this message. There's somebody here that's struggling through a place of waiting. You're standing at a crossroads. Maybe you're longing for whatever's next. You know, I I spoke to a college group this week on campus, and as I did, I I realized there are a whole lot of people that live destination lives. And what I mean by that is this. They say, well, as soon as. And, And their life is almost always as soon as. Well, as soon as this happens, and for those college students, as soon as I graduate, then I'm going to get serious about following God. Or as soon as I get my first job, I'm going to settle down and get serious about living a righteous life. And, and then we move on. Well, as soon as I have kids, or as soon as I get married, or as soon as I get that right job, and as soon as we, and, and all of a sudden, we let life pass us by, and the, the journey is the relationship. Walk with Christ today in the midst of the waiting. And don't say, when that happens, everything's going to get better. No, say, I'm going to follow Jesus until that happens. And if that never happens, I'm still going to follow Jesus. Some of you are at a crossroads where your faith is so much more tied to Fox News and it's so much more tied to the culture around you than it is the Word of God. And you need to hold tight to the Word of God and begin to live out a righteous life trusting God in faithful patience. Last thing I need to say, I hear this over and over again, it's an urban legend spiritually. People, good-hearted people, will say to you in your Sunday school class at the church house, don't you dare pray for patience. Some of you are shaking your head and saying, that's right, you shouldn't do that. I I think that's kind of a self-centered attitude. How many of you would say, God wants me to be patient? Yes or no? Would you say yes? Yes. Why would you ever say, I don't need to pray for something God wants for me? Well, God's going to make me face all these circumstances that will create patience in my life. Is looking more like Jesus a bad thing? And I'm not saying you ought to invite trouble into your life, but do you really believe that God is good in the midst of the storm? And if you do, pray and say, God, I don't want you to withhold one single thing from me that you desire for me. I I want my life to look more and more and more and more like heaven and less and less like this earth. Because the things of this earth are rusting and rotting and fading and failing. This earth is going to burn up. It will be swallowed up. Jesus Christ will come, and there'll be a new heaven and a new earth, and there'll be a new kingdom and a new ethic, and I want to be a part of that. So why in the world would you tell somebody, don't pray for what God wants for you. No, let's pray for one another that we would endure with faithful, prayerful persistence in the midst of whatever problems come, and that our lives would reflect that of Jesus, and when we do, we would see that there's a reward coming for it, a reward that far outweighs any temporary delay that you might experience here on earth. Some of you are saying, that man's preaching foolish craziness. I've never heard anything like that. I've never considered anything like that. Maybe it's because you've never considered the joy that is yours available in Jesus Christ. Today, there's someone here that needs to be saved. And I pray that God has drawn at the strings of your heart and you would today trust him with all of your being, and you would be saved today. It would be the day of your homecoming. Some of you have waited patiently for a solution, and today you found it because Jesus Christ holds out hope for you. Maybe today you need to let go of some things and just say, Lord, I surrender. You let God have his way as we sing together. I'm going to ask our instrumentalists to come, and our prayer partners are going to come. We have encouragers here that would love to pray with you. Let God have his way during this hymn of decision. Let's stand together as we sing. We want to depart from this place in a spirit of, of an attitude of reverence, knowing that God's continuing to work as folks are praying, and, and I pray for you this week. You know, it's been a hard day as we think about this matter of patience. I walked in the door this morning. Today is my birthday, and I walked in the door, and one of our church members met me at the door and said, Preacher, do you feel as old as you look? And I'm not exactly sure what they meant by that, but I'm pretty sure. And I said, Be patient. Yeah, don't attack them now. No, I'm teasing, I'm teasing, I'm teasing. What a great, great joy it is for us today to celebrate the freedom that we have. Not only in America because of the sacrifices of those who have served, but in life because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Thank you so much. In the morning, we do have the the city's Veterans Day Parade. It actually gathers here in our parking lot. We'll have chairs out on the front. Uh, Stoop, if you want to come out there on the front portico, we uh, there's a great place to watch. and, and uh, So come and join us if you want to. I believe it starts at uh, 10 o'clock, so you want to be here a little before that because there's a lot of folks that will be here. Uh, I stepped out on the front porch last year and thanked everybody for coming and celebrating my birthday, but I know it's a different different purpose for the parade but anyway you come and be a part of that and I do want to remind you again Thursday evening at 6 30 for the smart money uh, simulcast with Dave Ramsey it'll be a great great time uh, this Thursday evening we're getting really really close with our fellowship hall hopefully here in, in just the next week or so we'll be wrapping that up and back in it I want to make sure everybody marks their calendar let me get here where you can see very very quickly and we'll dismiss Sunday the 25th, that's two weeks away, we're having a combined worship service that Sunday morning with the Hattiesburg Chinese Christian Church as well as with uh, New Life Community Church which is our Hispanic church plant. And so all three congregations gathered together. We will receive the Lord's Supper together. We'll observe that. And then we're going to have a potluck and it'll be a great, great time in the new fellowship hall. And so you'll want to be a part of that. If you like Chinese food, come on. If you like uh, Mexican food, come on. Come on, if you like just good old-fashioned Southern Baptist potluck, come on. There'll be a little of all of that. There'll be a smorgasbord. It'll be a great, great time. Always a joy to worship with them. It's a little slice of heaven as we worship in different languages and celebrate together. So you be here. Invite a friend on the 25th of November following Thanksgiving. We love you. We're grateful for you, and we pray God's blessings on you. David Morgan is our deacon in service this morning. He's going to dismiss us now in a word of prayer.